fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. And welcome in T.C. Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. The doctor once again still taking a little vacay. However, I believe we got some fake news before T.C. left town. I was under the impression he was going down to Houston to watch some baseball. Then I look at social media today and I see he's in Sacktown. And it turns out Houston's not at home right now. They're in San Francisco. Maybe he's watching the Astros up there. I really don't know. Where's Waldo? Where's TC is the question I have right now. But anyhow, we know he's not here. But we will be uh, doing the two hours here on the TC Martin Show live from the studios. Myself, Ballpark Frank, Numchuck behind the proverbial glass, spinning all the buttons. Clayton Hamilton had nothing but great things to say about Numchuck yesterday. And joining me today, another good friend of mine and... Uh, I called the gaming board, but we could not get Caveman Kino put in the studio in time, but he still agreed to come and join us here, my good friend, Mr. Chris Wynn. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Frank, and uh, you know what? I'm still going to find some spots around town where I can get my Caveman Kino fix, despite the fact that uh, we get a chance to chop it up here and talk some sports for a couple hours, so I'll be, I'll be okay. Now, what it's is it about Caveman Kino that's different than the other Kino? Because I don't it, it, really know. Well, it's it's the the only difference really is the uh, aesthetic, the way that it looks, and and that that too. But you've also got the eggs, uh, uh, Frank. You've got the eggs, so you got multipliers, my friend. So it's not just about hitting the numbers; it's about hitting those eggs, and you see them crack on the screen, and so it you know multiplies it by four, multiplies it by ten, and it gives you a little bit of extra coin. Which is a good thing, so that's why I like okay, it. Okay, so it's got multipliers, and that's the main difference. Exactly. And they just the call it Caveman yes. Kino. All yeah. right. So, Eggs Benedict Kino, Chris Wynn's favorite game to play. Yes, sir. Lots to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Olympics going on. I'm a big Olympics fan. You? I am a big-time fan when it comes to the sports that we just don't get a chance to see enough of, i.e., Track and field, which started last night, exactly. So, like, you know, or, the, you you know what I'm talking about. The sports that are it's every four years, right? We pay attention, or five yes. in this case. <laughs> like when, when you think about, when, yeah, exactly. When you think about uh, badminton, when you think about beach volleyball, when you think about track and field, these are sports that aren't on the radar every single year. Although, yes, there are some professional leagues out there, and there are some you know opportunities for those athletes to get out there. But the Olympics is the big show, right? The Olympics is where we pay attention, where people care. Obviously, gold medals can you know translate into endorsements. They can translate into a lot of things. So uh, it's great for the Olympics, and that's why I like to focus on those sports when the Olympics roll around. And it's amazing, too, just to emphasize your point there. I've known people that have had world records. In sport. Well, not personally, mm-hmm. but I know of several people that have world records. It's the Olympic gold that people remember. People don't remember world records. They remember who won the Olympics, whether they did or didn't break a world record in it. So that's, that's kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I watch a lot of the Olympics. And, of course, in women's gymnastics, it's another sport. It's a year-round yeah. sport, but people only pay attention during the Olympics. And Simone Biles bows out 
for mental issues and things like that. Wish her all the best going forward. But uh, Suni Lee comes up and makes her own story. And, uh, you know, now she's an all-around champion. So the United States still dominates in that. One thing that does kind of, I don't want to say it makes me laugh, but it confuses me about the Olympics this year, and that is the Russian Olympic Committee team. Because the Russians have been banned from the Olympics because there was over a year-long doping scheme throughout all of Russia's sports. But now they still let them compete in the Olympics with the Russian Olympic team. Right. Or Olympic Committee, excuse me, ROC. And now last night we have a race where Yevgeny Ryloff wins the race in the backstroke. And the guy that gets second from the USA, Ryan Murphy, comes out and says, you know, our sport's never going to be clean because there's always going to be doping. Basically saying, you know, the Russian guy that just beat me, he ain't clean. So let me get this straight, Frank. Okay, you got the Russians competing despite the fact that we pretty much know that there has been, you know, there's been... Nefarious activity going on, i.e., performance as drugs. Sports in that yet, and it was run by the government. So, Frank, yet that goes down, right? But we have an American woman that, you know, ends up uh, partaking a little bit of marijuana and she's going to get banned from the Olympics. To me, this is completely preposterous that this is, this is something that can actually take place where, you know, someone is going to lose her Olympic dream. And, uh, by the way, lose probably probably either hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in endorsements because of her inability to actually participate in the Olympics. Yet you can have this stuff going on with the Russians. Come on now. I mean, that's just completely ridiculous, in my opinion. And uh, don't really understand how that can how that can shake out like that. Well, the thing that cracks me up about it all is it's like Russia can't compete as Russians, but they're the Russian Olympic Committee. It's like somehow people don't know what that is. Yeah, like and, there's and some I separation. Get to where, really? where they, I kind of get to where they don't want to penalize everybody because there's a lot of people that weren't involved in it probably. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very strange situation. But we'll look at some of the Olympic stuff here. Uh, in UFC, Amanda Nunez comes down with COVID-19. She'll be out of the card next weekend. So, you know, that's big news. And there's a card going on tomorrow as well. Uriah Hall, one of the feature ones there. The NBA draft was last night. And uh, I know your Pistons got a big pick. Thoughts on it? Yeah, people are pretty excited in Detroit. If you get a chance, if I get a chance I'm sure some of the listeners out there maybe get a chance to listen to uh, Detroit Sports Radio and uh, obviously watched the draft last night, the city is fired up. They think Kay Kay Cunningham absolutely can be a star in the NBA. This is the most excitement. I tweeted this out yesterday too, Frank and Nunchuck. This is the the most excited Detroit Pistons fans have been for a first-round draft pick since Grant Hill back in 1994. Grant Hill obviously would uh, would have had a storied, probably Hall of Fame career if not uh, for the injuries. And uh, for the first six years of his career, he was unbelievable. And Cade Cunningham is projected to be that guy. And Jay Billis, the, uh, you know, the uh, NBA, the actual college basketball analyst, talked a lot about Cade Cunningham as being somebody who's going to be a multiple-time NBA All-Star. You're talking about a guy who's 6'8", comparisons being made to Luka Doncic, comparisons being made to guys like Jason Tatum. And so, yes, People in Detroit are fired up. And Frank, as you know, being a Midwest guy, not a lot to get excited about with Detroit sports as of late, with the Lions as well, with the Red Wings and Tigers. The Tigers have been have been a pleasant surprise this year, but uh, especially with the Pistons as well, too. It's just been uh, slim pickings, to say the least, 
in the past five to ten years in Detroit sports. And so people are fired up and excited to be able to get a talent on the par with Cade Cunningham. And so it, does, uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun last night to see that. And I was kind of surprised, Frank, and I don't know about you, your take regarding it, but uh, a lot of talking heads, a lot of experts, analysts said the draft yesterday in the NBA was the most talented draft, the deepest draft since 2003 with LeBron James and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and all those pieces that uh, went went in 2003. And, and I was kind of surprised to hear that. at one point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they are, it seemed like they were on the same team at one point. And they were, but uh, yeah, I was kind of I was kind of taken aback to hear that because I, yes, there are some guys I think there, uh, and I think there's going to be a, a number of guys in this draft that, uh, and it'll be great to talk with Ken Thompson later on about the uh, NBA draft because he, he'll get into it because he's a big college basketball guy as well too. But uh, I was a little bit uh, taken aback that they were saying that, the, that as far as like the deepest uh, talent pool since 2003, that I thought it was a little bit of a stretch, but uh, hey. The great thing about sports and the great thing about the NBA and the draft is that we're going to find out, right? Because these kids are about to be on display. And and it's, look, it's the draft, right, Frank? And whether it's the NFL draft, whether it's the NHL draft, and of course the NBA draft, uh, Major League Baseball, not so much because it's a little, little bit different how that's all handled and how uh, players in baseball make their ascension to the major leagues. Yeah, they're expected but, to be in the minor leagues a lot yeah, longer. Yeah, exactly. What the difference, though, is with the NFL draft and with the NBA draft is immediately these kids become brands, right? Immediately. And they're kids. We're talking about guys in their, you know, either late teens or early 20s making the transition to being a professional. And they go from being just a member of the family to being the head of the family and the breadwinner of the family. And those are the stories that are kind of cool, right? Where you get uh, an opportunity to see young men uh, or young women, in the case of the WNBA, where they get it, they they are on center stage, and they they get a chance to live their dream, and that's that's kind of the cool thing about the NBA draft. You hear the storylines and the uh, and, you know and uh, the individual uh, adversity that each uh, that each one of these draft picks has to face to get there. So to me, that's that's a big part of the NBA draft as well, too, Frank. Well, the other thing about the NBA draft, too, and you mentioned we're going to have Ken Thompson from SportsX Radio on. He'll be uh, joining us at 3 p.m. to go over a little bit more. But it used to kind of seem like the team that got the number one draft pick, they were super excited. They knew that they were going to get a can't-miss prospect unless they really somehow screwed things up. But it doesn't seem like it's as solid these days projecting the talent and see how they're going to come. A guy like Giannis was not even a lottery pick. You mm-hmm. mentioned Jokic, some of the other yeah. guys out there. Steph Curry wasn't a guy, you know, some people question, is he big enough, he's too skinny, went to a smaller school and that kind of stuff. It seems like in this day and age, because the game is so different with the three-point shooting, with the way the game is played, you know, guys are sometimes a little bit more later developing or they have to trans, uh, you know, trans change their game mm-hmm. because of, the NBA game is much different than the college game. Right now with the Olympics going on, we keep on hearing, well, Team USA is having a hard time because they don't know how to play the Olympic, the international game with the wider lane and different things like that. Well, college in the NBA is very different as well. And then you throw in the guys coming over from Europe and all of the different parts of the world too, and you don't know exactly how they're going to you know, mature and what types of players they're going to become. So not that it was ever a total exact science, and you certainly know that, being a Pistons fan, with yeah. 
All I have to do is say the name Darko, and you probably uh, your hair yeah, stands start, up on your start arms to and shiver a little like bit. That. But, exactly. But you know, there are some times when you'd miss, and some guys we sleepers before. But nowadays, it seems like it's almost expected of that. You're like, okay, well, what six through twelfth pick or something like that is going to end up to be the superstar and maybe the MVP of the league someday? And what one of the lottery picks isn't going to amount to anything? It just seems like it's a little bit more of a crapshoot now because of the way that the NBA game is so much different than anything else that these players have done. Oh, there's no question, and it's not even just the first-round picks a lot of times. We're talking about second-round picks, guys like Dennis Rodman for the Pistons back in the 80s. Obviously, Manny Ginobili for the San Antonio Spurs, another guy, a Hall of Famer, who was picked late as well, too. So it is difficult for teams, and, uh, you know, there always is a, the it's great sports talk radio, right? Where you get a chance to say, well, you, you could have had this guy at this spot. You brought up obviously Darko Milicic for the Pistons back in two thousand four, and look, everybody has a short memory, by the way, when it comes to the draft because you know the projections from not just the Detroit Pistons back then, but a lot of NBA teams is that Darko Milicic could have been the next Dirk Nowitzki, right? He could have been the next guy that could have come from Europe and and come to the United States, and come to the NBA and, and he, shine. he had a ton of talent. I and, remember and watching by, him by the way, the guy league. had a half-decent career. He played for, I believe, over 12 years in the NBA. Yeah, he the had Pistons, a solid career. It, yeah. it just wasn't consummate it wasn't, with where he but, was drafted. And you were talking about LeBron James at the top of that draft, right? And we're talking about the guys who had Hall of Fame careers just after him in the draft that got picked, right? We're talking about Carmelo Anthony. We're talking about Dwayne Wade. We're talking about Chris Bosh. You know, these are names who are guys who are going to be enshrined in Springfield in, in, in the NBA Hall of Fame, so, or in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So there's, I mean, it's understandable. But yes, to your point, when the NBA draft comes around, it's always kind of hilarious because, as you mentioned, the number one pick's the number one pick, Right. But then the team, the teams that pick second, third, fourth, and fifth, they always have the same line. They say, "Well, we think our guy could be the steal of the draft. We think our guy could be the guy that's you know that ends up being the gem in this NBA draft." And that's the way the Houston Rockets feel about Jalen Green. Okay, at the number two pick, that's the way that the Cleveland Cavaliers feel about Evan Mobley at the number three pick, and that's certainly the way that. Even the Orlando Magic at number five, who got Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga, right? Who, and by the way, a lot, a lot of these guys t- picked in the top four or five. And this was another thing that was said uh, on the broadcast last night. All these guys could have been drafted number one in another year where, you know, Kate Cunningham was in the draft. You know, so there's a, a lot of justification going on, right? And a lot of teams saying, you know what, we got our guy. And, and, and we think that our guy could be the guy that's really the difference maker in the draft. So that's always a fun thing, too, about the NBA draft. But we'll see. Like, we'll see. And, uh, and another great thing, too, guys, about the NBA draft going down yesterday is that, what does that mean? NBA Summer League is coming. And it's coming here to Vegas. And it's going to be here just in a matter of days where you can go down to the Thomas and Mack and go to the Cox Pavilion. And you can see all these young guys on display you know, for the first time with their teams in summer league, and summer league's become a big thing. Frank, you know, you oh, know, it's a I huge know. thing. It is massive here in, here in Vegas, and uh, I mean, we're talking about these games are getting put on national television. You know, summer league back back when you and I, you know, were doing sports radio in, in this town. Uh, you know, we're talking back back in the two thousands, and in your case, back in the nineties. We're talking about 
a situation where the NBA Summer League was just a blip on the radar. Nobody even like really paid attention to well, it. Well, it wasn't even all in one place. I exactly. remember when Vegas all first the got it, there yeah. was about eight teams or something. They were like, well, why are they coming to Vegas? They didn't going to work here because there was one in Utah. There was one down in Florida. They were kind of all over. Then more and more teams started coming out here. They realized, you know what, more of the veteran players will come and check it out. Mm-hmm. The coaches in Summer League should see guys like Mark Aguirre and different things like that. And yeah. they'd be around coaching these teams. And all of a sudden, everyone went, you know, this is a great place to do it. So they, they gravitated here. They certainly have the hotel rooms and everything else. But just to also emphasize your point about how, you know, the guys that have the second, third, fourth picks are saying, well, our, we thought our guy could have gone number one. We would have taken him here anyhow. That goes throughout the draft because after the lottery picks, everybody goes, well, you know, we're surprised that our pick wasn't a lottery pick. And then you get later on in the draft and the guy that's 23rd or something will come up and say, well, you know, uh, you know, geez, we... We really thought this guy was going to be a top 10 pick. Then the second round, what does everybody say in the first four or five picks of the second round? Well, we had this guy projected as a first-round pick, so we were we were pleased as punch to get him here at this pick. Exactly. So they're always trying to, you know, kind of make it even shinier than it was. It's like, here's a nice new penny. Let's shine it up even more or something like that, making you think that they had the greatest picks out there. But like you mentioned, we don't know until four or five years down the road how they really play out. Some of these guys are not going to be the greatest player since sliced bread. And then you're going to get one that's a little bit more of the depth player, and you go, well, how did everybody pick him up? And it's not just the NBA. I mean, the biggest example in any sport about that whole thing is 100% definitely Tom Brady in football. No question. I mean, and I was gonna just that, that's that the to one you. that they throw in think all about the, the NFL, time. Think about the, Frank, think about the NFL draft, right? How fired up NFL fans get. They've got the sixth or seventh pick, and their guy slips to them, right? Or there's, you know, because there's always that team that's, you know, in early on in the draft that reaches for somebody, right? That they're they're just enamored with that one guy, and so therefore, you you know, there's like a, there's like a gasp throughout, you know, all of America and inside, either if it's Madison Square Garden or wherever they're they're holding the draft, or it's going to be here in Vegas, obviously next year. Like, there's always that, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they did that. And now that all that does is everybody shifts down one, and now you're going to have a chance to get your guy. That's, you know, the NFL draft every year, something like that happens. Well, and, and, and in the NFL draft, yeah. it's not only a player, it's a position, quarterbacks. All of exactly. a sudden, you need yeah. a quarterback, and, well, we don't really know if this guy's any good or not, but, damn, we need a quarterback, so we're taking him now. Mm-hmm. That's true, and so they go after, but in this case, this is a horrible example, but the situation, Pat Mahomes. When Pat Mahomes was drafted, right? Look, we knew he was a good quarterback coming out of Texas Tech, but obviously we didn't know the kind of impact he was going to have as an NFL quarterback. Well, Trubisky right? was gone, so KC had to take somebody. Yeah, but KC, but KC <laughs> got lambasted. <laughs> but you know what I'm? You know, you know the point I'm trying to make when it comes to you know. The Kansas City Chiefs were like, "Hey, this is our guy. We're going with him." It doesn't make any difference what the you know what the rest of the the makeup and the framework uh, is of the NFL draft that that year. We're we're taking our guy, Pat Mahomes, and obviously it worked out greatly for them. But uh, it happens every single year in the NFL draft, and it happens in the NBA draft too, as well as I pointed out. Like there's some there's somebody that gets taken earlier on. This year it was the kid from, and his last name's escaping me. It's the kid from. Uh, I want to say Massey or Sassy or the kid from uh, Australia. I think he was picked fifth or sixth in the NBA draft. Um, and uh, but his name is either way. It was a kid that that was projected to go around fifteen between fifteen and twenty. And I think I think he went sixth, fifth or sixth uh, to Oklahoma City. 
Oklahoma City, and and it was thought of as a stretch. And but the point being is that it it it, it opened it opened things up for teams to be able to to be able to grab somebody, you know, that they may not have been able to get early on in the draft. And it's, it kind of happens every single every every single year, like we talked. Josh Giddy, yeah, is his name. Out of Australia, a guy that was picked, you know, t- he was picked top twenty. Yeah, six by the not, Thunder. Yeah, but he ends up going number six, and that, that kind of uh, shook things up through the uh, throughout the early parts of the NBA draft. And then you started getting some trades in there a little bit later on in that too. So, but yeah, yeah and that's the thing; it's not an exact science. But again, we don't know how these players are going to develop and what's going to happen. But uh, you know, it's always a fun time. But I, I don't know about you, but I know people always get absolutely excited and go crazy over the draft. I tend to watch the free agent wire a lot more. These guys are all prospects. You don't know exactly what they're going to be. When you're acquiring free agents or making trades, you're getting proven talent in the league, whether it's the NFL or baseball or basketball or anything else. You're getting people that you already kind of know what to expect from and you know what you're getting. It's, it's not somebody that you're bringing in. Now, maybe it's a change of scenery. Maybe it's a better system for somebody, so you're hoping that they improve or whatever. But, uh, you know... It, it, I'm looking for somebody that I, I already know how they're going to help or maybe not help the team because everybody's a GM at home on their couch. But the draft, and again, I give all the sports in the, in the country all the credit in the world for making them what they are, but I think they're all overrated. That's and, just my opinion. Well, Frank, and to your point about we, want, we care about the guys who can you know, make a difference, who are already established – how about yesterday, guys, when the NBA news, you know, newswire basically gets hijacked by the Los Angeles Lakers, okay? It's the Lakers, so people care, okay? You're talking about the big market team. You're talking about a team that's, you know, high profile in the NBA. So it's the NBA draft is going to be on center stage yesterday, right? And so these young kids are going to get a chance. And then what happens, like, three hours before the draft the Lakers make the biggest deal in the offseason where they land Russell Westbrook in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, this this huge trade goes down where the Lakers send like half of their team to the Wizards for a guy who is a triple-double machine who's now going to turn the Lakers into the, the latest edition of super teams in the NBA where you're going to have, you know, you're going to have Westbrook, you're going to have obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis on the same team in L.A., and it was just huge news before the draft. You got all of the talking heads that you know that uh, that are noticed, right? Talking about this trade, and uh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, there there is an NBA draft going on tonight. But the Lakers made a move that's going to solidify themselves in the in the Western Conference. So that was I thought it was kind of interesting because you brought up the point, Lee. You know, look, talking about players who are established, who we know you know can play in the NBA, and the Lakers obviously with that trade threw themselves right back to the top of the Western Conference mix, and it's going to be extremely intriguing, to say the least, to see what happens in the West next year when you've got everybody coming back from Golden State. Of course, the Lakers, you know, the team that obviously is a year and a half removed from winning an NBA championship, uh, going up against, you know, the likes of, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, the Phoenix Suns in, in the West. And, of course, the Los Angeles Clippers are still there, too. So it's going to be, uh, again, like I said, it's, you know, the NBA Summer League is great, but it does it's it's not the regular season and we're going to have a a fun NBA regular season coming up with uh, a lot of teams getting healthy from injury as well as uh getting teams that have made moves and that are probably still going to make moves bringing in the players that they need. 
to make a run at an NBA championship. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it works out there for Westbrook, too, because everybody's saying, oh, now the Lakers have a big three with who you mentioned with Davis and LeBron James. Wasn't he part of a big three before? Wasn't he with Kevin Durant and James Harden down in Oklahoma City? How many championships did they win there? Zero. But the difference there... Is that yeah, that they, was they, early they, in James Harden's no, they, career? They so were younger. Be, they yeah. were all younger, yeah. and they weren't developed. But it's funny because I don't know if I've ever seen. Well, I know I've never seen it because I'm not old enough to really remember Oscar Robertson. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I've ever seen a guy who's a triple double machine like Russell Westbrook is that is still, by many accounts, considered a selfish player. He, I think, he is considered a selfish player, but he also is considered an unprecedented talent, right, Frank? I mean, he's he's, he's He's unique in a way where, you know what, we can still, we, we feel like, and the Lakers obviously have this opinion, they feel like they can win despite the fact he does have some flaws in those areas, right? Because they've been talking about, in the last 24 hours, the discussion has been, it, it's not been, it, you know, how can this fail? It's been, it's been more along the lines of, they're going to make this work some way, anyway, somehow, some way. They're going to make it work. And, yes, there's only one basketball, right? So that's a, the first question that comes to my mind is, okay, there's one basketball. You've got a guy in Russell Westbrook who is a stat machine, right, who needs to get his shots. Obviously, LeBron James, you want him to get his shots. And Anthony Davis, you want him to get his shots. And... There's also the discussion about the rest of this team, right? You're not going to just win with three players, okay? Yes, they are going to have the lion's share of the production, those three guys. But there's also been discussion regarding who's going to be the guys around them, right? Who are they going to be? What's kind of hilarious to me is that you're talking about LeBron James, Westbrook, and Davis, all guys who are offensively gifted, right? And you expect big things numbers-wise out of these guys. But the first thing that people said yesterday was, you know what, the Lakers still need to get shooters. They still need guys that, that, can, that, can, that can get buckets. I'm like, don't they have three guys that are going to be fighting for buckets on this team? And, uh, but I, I think it makes sense. I think, I think they do. I think they do need guys. Like They just obviously traded uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, one of those guys that, was gonna be, that could have been the shooter, one of the shooters. So they're still apparently, you know, Rob Palenka and the powers that be there with the Lakers are going to go out and try to get more pieces that that can uh, that can fill it up and that can make buckets so it's still going to be a team in transition from a from a transactional standpoint right so they're going to be looking for a couple more pieces there in los angeles to kind of to kind of get themselves back to uh you know where they are uh solidified at the top of the west but uh no question it was a big deal and it was just i but again it was just kind of hilarious especially as a pistons fan because we were we were all juiced up. We're like, oh, here we go, number one pick in the draft, first time. By the way, Frank, since you were just a tyke, and I was barely born in 1970 when the Pistons drafted Bob Lanier uh, at first overall back in 1970, and uh, so all the, all the fans in Motown were just getting juiced up, and then all of a sudden, bam, it hits the airwaves that the Lakers made this deal. So. Uh, it was uh, a little bit surprising, but at the same time, I'm sure Laker fans were just uh, absolutely ecstatic yesterday. And by the way, Frank, uh, L.A. fans, sports fans, right? Just just a plethora of stuff going on yesterday that we're going to, of course, get into throughout the show. Yeah, we still have a lot to get to. Uh, we've talked, uh, we've touched on a lot of bases. Major League Baseball trades that we're going to get to mm-hmm. uh, at some point in the show. Chris Bryan is on the move. We'll let you know where he's going a little bit later on. But... Uh, 
The beloved Vegas Golden Knights also making some moves and some deals. And some big breaking news coming up here as we're about to speak with Willie Ramirez after a quick break. But uh, the latest news, the Vegas Golden Knights are now cap compliant, according to Kelly McCrimmon, because Alex Tuck is on long-term IR out six months with a shoulder surgery. So we'll get Willie and Chris's thoughts on that. Also, Revo leaving town. Flurry going to Chi-Town. Lots of things happening on the ice. You thought on the ice in Vegas just meant on the rocks when you're pouring your drinks there. But it's a whole different thing since the Golden Knights have come to town. We'll get to that and a whole lot more. Willie Ramirez up next. Ballpark Frank, Chris Wynn, and Numbchuck behind the glass. It's the T.C. Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. Welcome back, T.C. Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com. T.C. taking a little uh, R&R, a couple vacay days. Got to try that out myself one of these days. I'm not really sure what that is. R.I.P. D- Dusty Hill, Frank. Passed away. What? Yes, yes. About seventy-two hours ago. Yeah, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, of course. As ZZ tops cranking, and as Numchuck has ZZ top cranking. That's and that's one of the reasons. But we played it that day that he did pass away. But mm-hmm. also because you know, the ladies love those sharp dressed men, or so I've been told. I am not one, so I'm not sure. But our next guest here is a gentleman who is. you see him in the morning skates, and you go, oh. Pops is either coming from the gym or going to the gym after the skate, but then you see him at the games, and he is always dapper. He's always looking sharp. Our good friend from the AP does a great job with them. Mr. Willie Ramirez joining us right now, the sharp-dressed man of all the media covering the Vegas Golden Knights, the Raiders, and a plethora of different events around town. Brian Salmon would not like me to say that, but Willie, how you doing, man? And, uh... I'm assuming right now, uh, what's what your dress like right now? Is it casual? Because uh, there's no game tonight, is there? I'm getting ready to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It, it's usually one or the other with you, isn't it? You're either going to some sporting event in town, including World Team Tennis, which I really wish they would do here again in Vegas because I really enjoyed that. But, uh, but yeah, you're either, you're either all dapper and ready to uh, cover some sporting event for the AP or you're going to the gym. And I know you work out with your son a lot too because, uh, of course, he's a personal trainer and doing pretty damn well at it. Yeah, just, uh, you know, got the doors open, got the keys to, the, to his gym in November, and, so in the, and the doors have been open on a regular basis now. So uh, pretty excited about that. And it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's been interesting because I, I was talking to someone today at, at, at the Raiders practice facility where it, uh, I, was, I was joking with him um, to Sean Reed with the, the, uh, the Athletics with his shoe game because he has different variety of Jordans. And he was like, yeah, I'm worried that, uh, you know, by the end of camp, I'm, I'm going to run out of different ones because I told him I was going to post pictures. And I told him I felt the same way with the perfect gear because I'm trying to, trying to you know, I gotta, if I'm going to be out in public, I have to promote my son's apparel company too as well um, with all of the perfect gear from the perfect gym. So 
Anyway, that's a, that's I'm ready to go now. Now let me ask you this: I heard the intro. I appreciate the intro. Did did I hear the one C win on this call as well? Oh, you know the deal, Willie. Come on now, we are absolutely now, in here. Now, right. now, Frank, when you Frank, when you texted me to come on, you didn't tell me that the mush was going to be on here. Oh, uh, yeah. See, the good thing is though, we're not going to be talking about sports betting too much, right? Because we have so much other news, Willie, that we can opine on, given that uh, you know all the action that's gone on. With the Vegas Golden Knights and all the other transactions, whether it be in Major League Baseball and in the NBA the last two days. So, yeah, so I was kind of steering away from, uh, you know, C-Win's inability, I should say, to pick games. And, uh, my, you know, hey, my $20 parlays go out the window, my friend. You, you know Chris's 800 number, right? It's lose with win. <laughs> well, let, let's, 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 let's be clear and go yes. back to something he said. Uh, Chris, when you, when you are discussing in the world of sports, we're, we're really not talking sports betting when you're talking about it. A hundred percent. That's not the road we're going down because uh, you know me. And like, hey, like I said, hey, give me the tickets. Give me the tickets. What do you mean? What do you mean? I got a pick for the next race, C. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go after yourself. Well, one thing we do know. If they ever do have a champion here in Vegas, whether it's the Aces, the Golden Knights, the Raiders, or some new team, the A's moving to town, when the ticker tape parade is ready to go down wherever they put it, C-Win will have plenty of paper to throw for the parade. Yes, and paper that, sure. paper that won't be worth whatever's printed on it, right, That uh, for my bets from the night before. So we'll do that. Hey, Willie, before we get to the Vegas Golden Knights and some of the things going on there, because I certainly want your input there, you did mention that you're at the Raiders camp. Uh, some news coming out of there as well, right? What, what is going on right now? What's the latest with the Raiders? You know, there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of good excitement, to be honest with you. A um, couple guys inactive here and there. You know, there were a couple of running backs that got put on, on the COVID list. Um, but for the most part, the news is just is there's really no breaking news. I mean, your typical first day, second day, third day, bumps and bruises. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I've gotten from practice or, you know, the first few days of, of on-the-field training camp, they've been out there for four days. They reported on Tuesday, practiced the last three days. It, the talk is about the defense, which has been absolutely horrendous in John Gruden's first three years. And, of course, he had to let his good friend Paul Gunther go last season, in the middle of the season. And um, But Gus Bradley coming in has been, you know, I mean, the architect of the Legion of Boom in Seattle, what he did with the Chargers defense. It, it, it's been an upbeat sort of attitude with the defensive unit. You see a different mindset. You see a different mentality and the one thing that i noticed you talk about you know me going to the gym that i pick up on is the the even the offensive linemen the, but the the guys in the trenches that you would think opening week you know what they're going to look like you kind of wonder i mean these are professional athletes i get it but man i tell you what these guys are chiseled down they look athletic they're aesthetic they are agile they are motivated and I just filed my story to the Associated Press. I asked Bradley there today, you know, John Gruden does a good job. His voice is unmistakable, uh, unmistakable out there. But are you guys having a contest to see who could be the loudest and who can, who can get the team fired up more? Because we hear you as much as we hear as Gruden. And, you know, the players have agreed. He's so energetic, and he's brought such life to the team. I had a chance to speak to Damon Arnett in an exclusive interview, and he said that he's really brought the concept of brotherhood back in that they're all for each other. They're all for one. So 
that's the biggest take I've, I've had from the first week is how these guys are coming together to create this, this unit of brotherhood uh, once again um, together and, and improve upon one of the worst stop units in the National Football League. Now, Willie, I know you said there's no real breaking news, but it is being reported that you mentioned a couple of players, uh, Jalen Richard and Theo Riddick, to be uh, put on the COVID-19 list. And now it's coming out, it's being reported that Theo Riddick has decided to retire from the NFL. Yeah, you know what? That press release came in um, literally just as I got the press release a little bit ago, but I I didn't open it because at the same time I was filing my story but, yes, he has been put on, and I'm sitting here looking at it as you're doing it. He's been put on the uh, retire reserve list. He was on COVID. Uh, it was the first day we got that. Um, Josh Jacobs was walking around with the mask on, and we were curious if the whole running back uh, unit was going to be on COVID because of, like, what happened last year. But um, it looks like Theo Riddick has decided to retire from the NFL as I am looking at the press release at the same time you are. So, so there we have it. So there's even when you're even when you're right there at the facility, there can be breaking news literally during an interview. So uh, there you have it. Theo Riddick looking like he's uh, stepping aside. What does that mean to the Raiders? I mean, uh, they, they still have some running backs in that, and this it, this seems like more of a, a a depth chart move than something that's really groundbreaking for the team going forward. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to be centered around you know Josh Jacobs. I don't think that this is going to you know, do anything that's, I mean, they, they, they already have a deep unit as, as you have. I mean, Kenyon Drake's out there. Um, they brought, they brought in a couple of guys when they went on the COVID list and Darius, um, Darius Jackson and BJ Evans. Um, and don't forget you have a uh, fullback Alec Ingold in the fold as well. So I think they're going to be fine. I don't think that this is a, a, a groundbreaking move in terms of ruining the depth of that, of that unit. Um, Jalen Richard, once he gets healthy, I think that'll he'll they'll be fine. And again, I say that, you know we spoke with Greg Olson yesterday, the offensive coordinator. This is one of the most productive units in the National Football League uh, last season, and it can it's really only going to improve if the defense, as the defense gets better, getting the ball in their hands. You know, Derek Carr is fully capable. Uh, you look at you look at what the defense did. The, the losses that they incurred down the stretch, a two and five stretch after opening the season six and three, didn't fall on the offense. It's what the it's what the defense did, including three late collapses. You know, you had three collapses where they lost to the Chiefs after blowing a lead with about a minute, a little more than a minute left. The Dolphins with 19 seconds left. The Chargers in overtime. Those three critical losses right there. That you know, instead of two and five would have been 5 and 2. So the defense has it has its its lion's share to do to help the offense out. Uh you know, I I, I think they're going to be fine in every facet of the offense. The the offensive line is the biggest question, but there's a lot of optimism with uh Andre James moving over to center, sort of a re, a retooled offensive line for Derek Carr and a talented wide receiver uh core. You know, there's some depth there. And of course, tight end Darren Waller, who has already they keep people keep saying, you know, I was watching NFL Network because they were out there. To, they're out there for a couple of days. They're talking about how Waller's going to have a breakout season. He's already had a breakout season. So um, I think the offense is going to be just fine. 
Will Ramirez joining us from the AP does a tremendous job over there when it comes to on the gridiron to the ice when you want to hit the court as well too whether it's women's basketball whether it's the NBA whether it's college basketball Willie is all over it we got to switch gears though Willie because in the past seven plus days just been a little bit of news right Mr. Ramirez when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights and it all seemed to kick off whether it was on social media or it was here in Las Vegas regarding the face of the franchise obviously and Marc-Andre Fleury now a member of the Chicago Blackhawks sent shockwaves obviously throughout town and of course all over social media had to get your reaction as to Flower no longer being a part of the organization after being essentially yes the face of the franchise since day one of the existence of this franchise and uh, obviously people very emotional around town there is a huge connection to Marc-Andre Fleury and rightfully so we're talking about a future Hall of Famer one of the best goaltenders obviously someone, someone who just won, won the Vezina Trophy just a matter of weeks ago and now he's no longer a part of the team have to get your reaction to that deal made by VGK earlier on this week well, from a business standpoint, I understand it, and I don't have a problem with it in any way, shape, or form. I, you know, I mean, they went with the younger guy. They went with a guy who actually, since 2018, if you look at the save percentages in the entire National, Foot, uh, National Hockey League, I was about to say football, in the entire NHL, since 2018, goalies with at least 100 uh, games, Leonard's number one. That's in front of Vasilevsky. That's in front of Flurry. That's in front of Grubauer. That's in front of everybody, you know. So they went with the guy they felt had longevity, and they they dumped seven million dollars uh, from their cap space, and and it, from a business standpoint. Now, from a professional and personal standpoint, in terms of someone who's covered the team since day one with a lot of us in the media, you know, obviously um, the beat writers, the radio guys, the TV, you know. Obviously, he's a locker room favorite, right along with Ryan Reeves. And so, you know, when, when, when you lose that, that connection that you had, I mean, the, obviously last season, uh, or the, the, the latter half of last season and this season, it's all Zoom, so that connection was gone. But, you know, I, I got an exclusive one-on-one with, uh, with Mark Andre. He, they, they can patch me through to the cell phone and during uh, this past season. So, I mean, there, there's a rapport that, that you build, and when you build a certain rapport with a legend, you know, you, you're going to, over your course of your career, in a journalism career, you're going to bo- build relationships with different athletes. And for me here in Las Vegas, you know, my first byline printed in 1987, I built rapport for, with male and female athletes from high school to college to professional. But when you're dealing with a legend and it, the way that the Golden Knights came to town, and like you said, you know, just since day one, Mark Andre, I mean, I remember my first interview with him um, when we were still doing interviews off to the side by the, the practice rink on the other end where the kids would come around to get autographs. And the first question I asked him, it was in regards to, you know, hey, this team was put together in the first year. It's not expected to do much. And he said, I don't know who keeps saying that, but I came here to win. The, the, the team that's here, and that was the year they went to the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. He wasn't buying into any philosophy that this was a misfit team that was just going to, you know, trudge its way through the first season. So, you know, you build a rapport. We always had great conversations. This is someone that over the course of a couple of seasons, he'd ask about my son. I'd ask about his kids and his family. So you build that sort of relationship up, you know, up with him. But at the same token, 
I have a job to do. He has a job to do. The Golden Knights have a job to do. We're all professionals, and I understand it. So the, the bottom line is, is he's now a Chicago Blackhawk. I, I kind of hope that he'll put in one more season and that they'll be in Vegas and we'll get to see him and catch up with him one more time, just like we have with other guys who have left since then. Guys like Brad Hunt, David Perron, Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Those guys have come back. They remembered us when we go to the visitors' locker room, and uh, it's always cordial. It's always nice to see him and catch up with them. Wish him well. And the same goes with Ryan Reeves, who you know was dealt last night. You know, when it comes to Mark Andre Fleury, and I want to get to Reeves here in a second as well. You mentioned how personable he is, and you know it, it's strange in any walk of life, and certainly in professional sports, when you literally don't have one person say something bad about a guy. And that to me yeah. seems like Mark Andre Fleury. You mentioned that you would talk about your kids with each other, and that I remember being in the locker room on one of those days when you weren't allowed to talk to Flower because there was a game that night, and he said well, it was right after I broke my neck in season one when I came back in a room and he kind of called me over because I was wearing that collar around and he asked what was going on and I told him I broke my neck and he's like no 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 and I'm like you want to see the picture because I have the picture of the uh you know the the x-ray and that in my phone and so and and I remember Sage and some of the other people came over you can't talk to him I'm like hey, look he called me over and he's no 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 leave him I mean he 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 legitimately cares about people he he has that about him he's a leader in the locker room but not the most vocal one he's the practical joker he's does a lot of different things what he does on the ice is incredible and it's one of the big reasons the Golden Knights have had the success that they've had but just from a locker room standpoint, being the practical joker, being everything else, what effect do you think that's going to have on this team? Because obviously the team is way different from season one to what it is now with the Mark Stones and Pacioretty's and guys like that in there anyhow. They're far from the Golden Misfits. But I think as much as they miss Marc-Andre Fleury on the ice, I think they're really going to miss all the things that he does that people – Maybe not in the media or certainly in the in that locker room because even us in the media don't know everything. I think they're going to miss a lot more of the ancillary stuff he does. I think Pittsburgh missed it, and I think they've struggled since he left there. I'll tell you what they're going to miss, and, and this is something that, that I'll never forget. Um, it's, it's not really this particular roster, but it's going to be the incoming young guys, like you know, guys that maybe have been playing with the Henderson Silver Knights, guys that – you know, that were just drafted, that in a couple of years, um, the second development camp and training camp, if you remember, we used to use the UNLV Rebels locker room for the guys that didn't have, they had never made the team yet. You remember that? The, yeah. The, oh, yeah, the guys for sure. Had, okay. Yeah, the Cody Glasses and for, even Nick Suzuki in that in year one in that. Uh, hell, I remember the first right. year when so, they were at the Ice Center for their first skates. Right, well... <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're there, skating right, right down the road from so, Brooksy's there. Yeah, right, just uh, about 10 feet away from Brooksy's. Yeah. Uh, I, I sat there in that room with Zach Whitecloud, mm-hmm. the, first, uh, the second training camp, and we talked. I had pitched the story on Zach Whitecloud because at that time I had told AP that out of the young defensemen, they were going to, you know, who, who was it that was going to be up? Was it going to be Jake Bischoff? Was it going to be Nick Haig? Who was it going to be? I said, let me do a story on Zach Whitecloud. I really feel that this kid's got something so on so forth. They approved. They said, okay, go ahead. You know, I had like three, four on my budget, three, four stories from training camp on my budget, that, that, that particular training camp. And, I, and Zach Whitecloud was going to be the young prospect story. And he sat there and told me a story about how when he was a little boy and his dad was a billiards player, professional billiards, 
he'd go to the tournaments with his dad. He'd get to go and they'd watch. And, and, but when the tournaments came to Las Vegas, his mom would not let him go. And so when he got picked up by Vegas, he called first call he made, he was laughing with his agent, called his mom and said, guess where I'm going? And she was laughing, saying Vegas. And he said, yeah, so on and so forth. So if you remember, he made his NHL debut in Edmonton and then came back to Las Vegas, got to the practice facility and walked into the locker room at City National Arena. And who's his locker room next or locker next to? Marc-Andre Fleury mm-hmm. said that he was just floored because they put him right next to him. It was the most encouraging thing for him. And I asked him about that, I think, during this last season on a Zoom. We were just talking about it. I was like, do you remember that? Because so, I think it was after Marc-Andre had, you know, one of his milestones that he had made. And he talked about that and what it meant to him. And the fact that he never felt like he was a rookie or a young player or whatever, he felt like he he felt like he had a mentor, but he also felt like he was one of the guys immediately. He was not intimidated. He was more embraced. And I think that is going to have an impact in terms of who's going to be that guy. You know, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, uh, Jonathan Marchesop, the veterans that are on this team, they can provide a certain semblance of of mentorship to the guys that are coming in, but do any of them have that aura that Marc-Andre Fleury had? And for guys that were coming in, maybe looking forward to just talking hockey, even if they got five minutes of time with him at some point in their young careers, they're not going to have that. And they're never going to understand and appreciate what guys like Zach Whitecloud had that first week when he when they returned from Edmonton and he got a chance to have his cubicle sitting right next to Mark Andre Fleury, it was a conversation. It was an interview that I'll never forget, just because of how proud he was of that moment in, in that situation after making his debut and getting back here, you know, and the whole Las Vegas thing with his parents. So, I think that's something that's going to be lost. I think that's something that that, that you know a lot of players now with an organization that a lot of young guys. Um, want to be drafted by, traded to, free agents. People still want to come to Vegas. They're now not going to. You know, I think that he has an impact for a lot of guys that want to come here, not just because it's Vegas and the Golden Knights, but that's an added attraction for a free agent. That's where I want to go. That's my landing spot. I want to go because, you know, one of the deciding factors for guys that that want to come here has been get a chance to play with future Hall of Famer and legend, Marc-Andre Fleury, and that is now, you know, that's gone. Got to get your quick take, Willie, of course. Uh, you, Frank, talked about it. Ryan Reeves headed to New York, getting back together, by the way, with uh, Gerard Gallant, now the head coach there with the Rangers, and also Thomas Nosek, too. Ha- Got to be happy for him to see him get a good deal there with the Boston Bruins, an opportunity for him to have a change of scenery, and possibly that, that could be a good thing for him as well, too. But R- Revo, obviously, a guy who is a cult figure here in Las Vegas, very well-liked, m- much like Marc-Andre Fleury, but uh, he no longer, of course, a part of the VGK squad as well, too. Yeah, fact of the matter is, you, you, the two, you know, Stone and Pacioretty, I, you know, the first guys up top of the head when in terms of, like, you know, the cheers and the rounds of applause. And then, you know, you get a guy that's on a hot streak, a scoring hot streak, the crowd. You, you guys have been there, the excitement in T-Mobile Arena. You know, like, you know, uh, like Nosek, if he, if he happened to start one night and he had scored, let's say, nine points in four games, the crowd's going to go nuts. Right. But an always fan favorite has been, 
Ryan Reeves. You know, I think the two most popular guys, if you were to take a poll, uh, you know, my first two guys off the top would be Marc-Andre Fleury and Ryan Reeves. And, you know, I I think back to that first game that he was with the Golden Knights against the Kings, and he took two unnecessary penalties, and Gerard Glant pulled him aside and told him, "That's, that's not why you came here, that's not why we brought you here. And he straightened up immediately, and he changed his entire game. And that first offseason, he changed his you know, the complexion of his of his training regimen to, to lean down. I think he made a lot of changes to his game, his persona, his mentality. I think he grew up here even though he you know, he spent he's spent more years in the league prior to Vegas than he's been in Vegas. I think this is where he sort of came into his own and really became a better person, a better player, a better mentor, a better teammate. And I think he's another guy who's going to be missed in the locker room. I think a poignant moment was when Mark Stone told the media on that Zoom that, you know, when you don't have Ryan Reeves on your bench because he's injured or he's, I think he was suspended, you know, when, when you don't have that guy, other teams feel real comfortable in chirping. And it makes a big difference when he's on the bench. They're not going to be as boisterous in your home arena talking smack. So I think he's another guy who's going to be missed. And I think the Rangers got, uh, you know, they got themselves a, gr- a great player. Uh, I just recently read on Twitter that he, uh, they're working out an extension to match his uh, AAV. So I wish him well as well because we had a great rapport. He was one of the one of the best. Uh, he was be- one of the best conversationalists once the recorder went off. Talk about enjoying some conversations. Adam Hill and I were talking about that this morning at Raiders facility. Mm-hmm. Recorder goes off, and you could guarantee a great conversation with Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things about that, that first season and that, too, because the, 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 the recorder goes off, and all of a sudden William Carlson's talking soccer. Uh, you know, other guys are talking the different things that they do. So, and that's what's been cool is meeting a lot of these guys and getting to know them. Willie, we could talk forever. I'd like to get more of your thoughts on Alice Tuck as well, but we're kind of up against the clock here. But, yeah, I'm just wondering, the other thing that Reeves became a lot better at was becoming a businessman with the 7-5 brewing in that. Wouldn't surprise me if that stays around town and at the end of his playing days he comes back and he resides here in vegas but always a pleasure my friend where can people find yourself and what are you working on right now uh you know just i'm on twitter at willie g ramirez w-i-l-l-i-e-g ramirez and also on instagram and right now it's a lot of raider stuff so you know uh i'll be tweeting out my stories my articles and um so you can catch up with me catch up with me there Give me a follow, give me a shout, and if you got any questions, uh, that's where you can find me. Pops, I'll be posting my picks pretty soon here. Feel free to piggybacking me, my friend, because you know the picks are going to be on point, know. my sir. I just want to know all NFL win totals ah. you're betting so I could go opposite. There it is, babe. That's what I'm talking about, Frank. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Well, yeah, you know, remember, lose with win, just go opposite. You're guaranteed winners with Chris Wynn. Willie, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, hope to see you soon. Maybe uh, watching some tennis, football, whatever it is. I know you cover everything around town. And, hey, you know, when the Aces come back, uh, if the women's team does what they're supposed to do, they might have a couple more gold medals. They could have the Golden Girls there with the three-on-three. They could have four gold medal winners on the Aces. When we come back, we are going to talk to our good friend from SportsX Radio, Mr. Ken Thompson. Stick around. Lots more to get to. Ballpark Frank, Chris Wynn, Numchuck behind the glass. It's the T.C. Martin Show, tcmartinshow.com.